Welcome to the podcast of the Renew Community. We strive to be a Jesus community who cares about the things Jesus cares about. As we adapt in this season of pandemic, we are meeting in our house churches in person and online as a primary space for worship, formation, connection, and encouragement. Teachings like this are one way we engage with scripture seeking to become more like Christ. These teaching podcasts also serve as a conversation starter for deeper engagement at House Church. We're glad you're listening. Well, good morning, everyone. Sun was shining. It's like a whole new day from yesterday. I feel like I'm having two new days. I had to wake up at four to take a friend to the airport, came home, went to sleep, and then woke up again to come to church. So I'm I think it's still Sunday, but if it's Monday or if I act like it's Monday, I apologize. Anyways, good to be with you all this morning. Um, Really grateful for the sun and just for some new faces. So if you're new with us, welcome. Um, My name is Doug. I'm one of the pastors here. Um, Please stay. We're having a taco feast afterwards. So some of you might think, man, I showed up to church and I got to eat tacos. Yeah, you're you're welcome. Um, We're really glad. Uh, it was great walking in. I was talking to Rick, the guy running the sound back there, and he's like, this is the best Sunday. We get to eat tacos after church. I'm like, yeah, it's good stuff. Um, but we find ourselves, particularly uh, as we meet here this morning, we're moving towards Easter. Uh, we're only a few weeks out. Um, we're starting to see the daffodils pop, and all the fun little springtime flowers are really starting to kick in. Um, and as a community, we've been in this series called The Rhythms of Grace, which is a, spir- a series about our own spiritual rhythms and practices. And so um, I wanted to start with a question just to hear some feedback, but what spiritual rhythms and practices do you notice that Jesus has as we read through the Gospels? So yeah, what are some things that Jesus does that seems like a spiritual rhythm or practice? Anybody? Yeah, he would go and be quiet with his father. So there's this like solitude slash prayer slash rest thing. Yeah, what else? What are some other things? Yeah. Pat. Yeah, so he would like involve the people around him. So there was this rhythm of it wasn't just him by himself, but he had this community with him, including in the teachings. Yeah, great. What are some other rhythms? He would honor the Sabbath by doing good and messing with the Pharisees. That, that's, I think he'd be really happy with that answer. I like that. Yeah, good. Yeah. He ate with sinners. Right. That's a big one. Yeah, that beautiful rhythm that Jesus had. What else would he do? What are some prayer? Oh, yeah, sure. Right. You're like, I had something different. That's good. Yeah, prayer. Uh, he healed people. That was a rhythm. We, when we look at Jesus' life, he healed people. There was a rhythm of healing that happened in his life. Yeah, what else? Stephen. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, beautiful practice. Like, he just seemed to do these things that were supernatural. Like, they, not, they didn't seem to be. They were. They were supernatural. Yeah. Walked on water and grabbed people out of it. Yeah, that's good. Anybody? No, you were just moving your arm. You should put your arm back. I'm just, I'll give you that. There you go. He honored and glorified his father. That's a regular rhythm. Yeah, so we we could probably even call that like worship. He lived his life in a way of worship. Yeah, fantastic. Great. Well, you guys, uh, well done. If I had stickers, I'd give them to all of you. Um, But there's something that's really unique because I I feel like we, 
we can have a tendency not to see the rhythms that Jesus practiced and participated in. We can tend to see Jesus more as this, this, you know, this God man that kind of just did things, but we don't see the rhythms behind it. But what we notice is that Jesus had these deep spiritual practices. And so when we talk about rhythms of grace, we're not just talking about these are some cool ideas that, you know, Ben and Doug and others have come up with, but these are actually things that we see Jesus doing. And we want to be disciples of Jesus. And so that's why we talk about these rhythms. That's why we talk about these practices. Um, And he set this way for us to follow. And Jesus had a deep history of being part of the Jewish community, which he was born into, which helped him learn a lot of these practices that he was doing. So he didn't invent them. uh, He made them real in some beautiful ways. And so Ben kicked us off a few weeks ago talking about feasting and fasting. Aubrey last week talked about pray and play. And we've had a really good opportunity to sort of see a bigger picture of what's going on in terms of the practices that we have a chance to see Jesus in and participate in the life of God in everyday life. And today I get a chance to talk about rest and righteousness, uh, but particularly looking at the, the, the word Sabbath. Can you guys say that? Sabbath. Yeah, you ever, ever, most of you have heard that. Some of you may be like, I've never heard that word before. It sounds very Jewish. It is. Um, it is a practice that I'm going to jump into here, and I'm really excited to teach on this. Um, but this is, uh, when it comes to, I, I also work, I do some, some work with other pastors. I do some spiritual direction and some coaching. And the first thing that I ask a pastor or a non-pastor, when, when they come and say, hey, I want to grow. I'm just feeling like God's calling me into deeper relation with him. My first question is tell me about your Sabbath. Because there's something about the principle of Sabbath that will tell me so much about how this person really understands God's love and, and, and his or her identity as someone who works, someone who has relationships, and someone who also understands that their identity is disconnected from those things as well. Connected, but disconnected. Not entangled, I guess would be the right phrase. And so this morning, as we get to jump into this, we're going to read some scriptures. We're going to be in the Old Testament, which I get super excited about. Um, so if you have your Bibles, great. If you don't, no problem. We actually put a bunch of things up on the screen. Um, but as we talk about this, we need to understand that this is such a deeply rooted practice in the life of Jesus, and not just in his life, but in the life of the people that he was around. This is a deeply rooted practice that we see in the life of the early church, that we see in the life of the church, most likely leading up to about the industrial age, when all of the sudden humanity sort of made this big flip from being people that uh, have a day of rest to people that are just workaholics. And so Sabbath to us comes as a very counterformational practice that Jesus participated in. Um, and again, I love what Steve said earlier. Uh, Jesus, on his Sabbath, he helped and healed people, and he was kind of poking the bear of the Pharisees. But one of his most famous phrases was this. He says, Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. You might like, that sounds very philosophical. And I think it is because there's a deep, there's a depth to those words. But what, what Jesus is saying in that particular thing is this, God made Sabbath because he loves mankind. Not that man made Sabbath so that they can have a day off. But there's this deep spiritual thing that happens when we understand what Sabbath is. We, we already talked about it. Jesus practiced Sabbath. He got in trouble over it. And, uh, and that's ultimately what got him killed 
was his Sabbath practices. Because he didn't just see the, the word rest in Sabbath, but he actually brought the oration. So it was about restoration, not just rest. And so for Jesus, as he proclaimed Sabbath, it was about restoration. That's why one of the first things we come in the book of Mark is there's a a man with a withered hand whose hand is made whole again, and he gets in trouble for that. Or there's uh, a person with demons and they get driven out and, and this person is restored back to normal health. And so Jesus was just poking these bears to recognize that Sabbath was not just about these laws and these rules but it was actually about restoration and ultimately about resurrection. And we'll jump into that a bit as we move on. But I want to take a moment as we jump into this word Sabbath. These are two images that I think about when I think about rest. So we're going to take like 30 seconds per image. Then I have two questions I want to ask. So here we go. And then the next image. So as we think about these two images, if you can go back to the first one, and then we'll kind of flip between the two, what, what do you notice and what convicts you? when you look at this particular image. What do you notice? What convicts you? Yeah. That guy looks a lot like Caleb. Okay. (laughs) Something about his eyes, he looks unrested. Yeah. He's, he looks like a zombie. Okay, yeah, they're just black, cold eyes. Steven, yeah. Intense and frustrated. Thank you. Yeah, great words. Yeah. What else? Maybe somebody else. What else you notice? What convicts you? He's holding on tightly. Okay. His shoulders are up. Yeah, really tense. Someone else raise his hand. <laughs> I've never noticed that before. Yeah. It's like you got punched in the face. Yep. Yeah. Good. Yeah. That's interesting. His brain is dark. It's black. Huh. Huh. For those of you who missed that, uh, as one who's a painter, so Adrian paints, uh, the general rule of thumb is you always leave a little white in an eye because it it shows life, right? It shows something there. Yeah. Yeah. The whiteness of the eye. Yeah. Uh, Someone else had a hand up back there. Pat. He's frowning. Okay. He looks like a robot. Right. Yeah, he has like a mask-like face. That's re- you guys are, oh, man, this is great. 
All right, so, so let me ask y'all a question. And this may, this may cut, and, and I'll be the first one to say this is me too. How many of you, when you have a moment of peace or quiet, do you grab your phone? And how many of you, myself included, sometimes justify that as rest? Right. Next picture. I'll just let that sit um, for me too. What do you notice and what convicts you about this picture? Hold on. A lot of work that's been done. Yeah. Completely relaxed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's an honest confession from a youth pastor. <laughs> yeah, he said, for those that didn't hear, he said, what a waste of time. There's so much to do. Yeah, that's good. JR. Interesting. Yeah, the shoes are off and they're almost placed in resistance to the sick, to the, to the instrument of work. Yeah. Mike. Ooh, they're resting together. This idea of not just solo, but resting together. Yeah. Yeah, what else? Maybe one more. Yeah, Mary, they're outside. Yeah, thank you. Mm. Yeah, so... N- Comparing and contrasting, the, the, their, their postures open up. There's just like this. I mean, when's the last time you actually put your hands over your head and like laid down outside in the grass? Some of you are like, I would never do that. <laughs> I, see, I see Alice shaking her head in the back. She's like, nope. <clears throat> yeah, but that just looks inviting. Yeah, what else? Dang. So for those of you that did not hear that, uh, Susan said that they're completely asleep, but the painting is totally alive. There's so much going on, even though that they're fully asleep. That, that. Yes, when they're resting, the animals rest. Creation is resting along with, man, you guys are theologians. Steve. Carefree in the care of God. Carefree in the care of God is what comes to mind. Yeah. Wow. Well, you guys have preached a great sermon. I'm done. Thank you very much. I feel like everything else I have to say is maybe a little different. But I think what, what should be a conviction for us is that this, is, this to me is the picture of rescue. Back, go back to the other one. This is what our culture tells us that rest should look like. This person is a consumer. Next one. These people are just resters. There's a big difference. So this is the reality. Sabbath is the most neglected of the Ten Commandments. And so where does this idea of Sabbath come from? I want us to kind of trace this back looking at the story of scripture. Um, The question that some people may ask is, is it old and outdated? Some of us may think that uh, it's very easy to spiritualize 
non-rest. Well, I'm doing this work for the Lord. I, we see this with pastors all the time. They, they just have this feeling of like, I should never take a day off because people need to meet Jesus and there's someone else that's sick and someone that's hurting and this and that and the other thing. Moms are like that. Uh, moms, you never get a day off, right? Like you, you just dream of the day when you have a day off. Like if you noticed the inflection in, in Chrissy's voice when she dismissed the kids, it was like springtime of joy. Like goodbye, children. <laughs> I thought it was, I thought it was brilliant. But God speaks to us from the first words of the creation account. We come across a God who works, delights in his work. As we read the creation story found in Genesis 1, everything that God makes, he says, it's good, it's good, it's good, it's good. And then he comes to mankind, he says, it's, it's really good or really, really good. And it's really interesting when you look at the Hebrew, he goes from Tov. Uh, he created the heavens, it's Tov. He created the earth, it's Tov. He, all this stuff is Tov. He creates mankind, it's Tov Mayo. It's really good. The best. And then we come to this passage at the end of the creation account, which is not that the creation account stopped. It's this is the culmination of the creation account. And let's look at Genesis 1 together. It says, thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. And so God, in his rest, he creates rest. The Hebrew people have a word, they call it manuah. And there is a, there's a great Jewish scholar by the name of uh, jo Abraham Joshua Heschel, uh, who, not a Christian guy, but wrote a book called Sabbath that has been one of my favorite books that I have ever read when it comes to understanding the Jewish practice of Sabbath. Uh, and you see Jesus painted all over the entire book. But I love, I love this quote. It says, just as heaven and earth were created in six days, Manua was created on the Sabbath. And so what do we do with the God who creates rest? Does that make us uncomfortable? I think what we do is it, 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 it forces us to begin to, to, to wrestle with the understanding of, of I am, who am I? Am I am what I do or I am who I am? And so God does something really amazing in this as he creates rest for his creation. That at the end of this entire time, the end of this creative act, he doesn't, it culminates in the gift of rest to his creation. And so what do we do with the God who initiates rest for his creation? And, and to recognize that rest is part of the creation. Um, if, if you've, I mean, we're seeing it right now. We are coming out of the dead of winter. And if we, when we look at the seasons, winter is a season of rest. The land is gross. The trees are bare. Uh, there's nothing. Everything just seems quiet. There's activity under the soil, but there's nothing on the outside. It is almost a built-in season of rest for the earth. We see this when we look at animals. Bears are the coolest animals in the world. They hibernate. What kind of animal crawls under a rock and sleeps for six months other than teenagers? I mean, honestly, it's amazing how they just, God put this thing in them for rest. If we put the, our hands on our, on our arteries in our necks, you feel the beat, what you don't feel is the rest. But there's this boom, rest, boom, rest, boom, rest. Even in the parts of who we are, how we're created, rest is deeply 
in us. It's part of who we are. And so I think we have to see that rest is built into the fabric of creation by God because he loves us, because he understands how that will deeply shape our identity. And so why is rest so hard for many of us? I think for some of us, it's because we feel guilty. Anyone ever feel guilty when they take a rest? Okay, thank you. A few of us do. Any, do any of us ever just feel like, uh, I just don't have the time to rest, right? We feel like there's this hurried nature of our soul that we just have to keep pushing and pushing and pushing. But I want us to continue to look at the biblical line of Sabbath in Scripture. And so we're going to look at uh, the next place where we run into Sabbath, and that's, that's in Exodus 20, 8 through 11. And it is the, uh, it's, the first, it's the first time we are introduced to the Ten Commandments. And so it says this, Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh is a Sabbath to the Lord, your God. You shall not do any work, you, your son, or your daughter, your male or female slave, your livestock, or the alien resident in your town. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that was in them. But he rested on the seventh. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and consecrated it. So I want us to to jump into the very next passage. Uh, This is found in Deuteronomy. Um, can we get that one? There we go. So this is Exodus happens. We, you know, Israel is brought out of slavery in Egypt and the 10 commandments are given Deuteronomy right before Israel goes into the promised land. The law is given again at Deuteronomy two, like the second law. And so this is the second time we come across the 10 commandments. And I want us to notice there's a difference. The words are different. We'll have them up next to each other in a second, but observe the Sabbath day and keep it holy as the Lord, your God commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You shall not do any work, you, your son or your daughter, your male or female slave, or your ox or your donkey, or any of your livestock, or the resident alien in your town, so that your male and female slave may rest as well as you. Remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. We're going to um, put these two slides up next to each other. There we go. So these are the major differences. Why? What do you notice about these major differences? What are some things that we see? Okay, so the first is concentrated on what God did. The second is concentrated on, on our response or what people's response should be. Great. Yeah, what else? I've never seen that before. Thank you. Bob. Dang, I didn't see that either. Yeah. So in the first one, if you didn't hear Bobby, he said uh, God is doing the work uh, and, or he's resting. And in the second one, in the Deuteronomy passage, God is active, like he's actively doing something. Is that correct? Yeah, good. Yeah, so I'm going to keep going. But I think what's really neat about this is in order to understand Sabbath, what we need to do is we need to to see that these two passages are actually telling a bigger story. They work in, in unison with one another. And so 
what does this look like for a culture whose identity is built in bricks per hour? Uh, God seems to bring about rest. And so the two reasons for Sabbath keeping are very simple. The first one is God's creative work. And the second one is God's redemptive work. So if we look at the very first passage in Exodus, we see God's creative work, right? There's this rest. There's this understanding of it. It is because of the, the, that God rested and consecrated the day as holy. And when we look at the second one, it's about redemption. And so to understand that, we also have to understand the people of Israel. Their culture, all they knew after when they were put into slavery, they had 400 years of being known for one thing. How many bricks are you putting out per day? How hard are you working? And how many kids are you having to continue the work? That's it. That is so foreign to our mind because we have agency. We can make choices. We can have these things. We're like, do I want to go to Aldi or Lidl today to get my groceries? We have all of these choices. So this, this idea, the Sabbath comes to a people that have never had a choice. And so God brings Sabbath to a people who have never had a choice to say, you're going to rest. So I want you to imagine, just take a moment, think for yourself, being someone who has just been constantly working from the day you were born until where you are right now. There's no day off. There's no paid time off. You're sick, whatever. You go to work. You do your thing. Uh, you sleep at night. You get up. You do the same thing the next day. And imagine you going out into the wilderness with God and him saying, okay, this day, you're not doing anything. In fact, I'll stand enough food the day before that you don't even have to go gather food. You don't have to light a fire. You just rest. You rest in my arms. Like, what would that feel like? It's hard for me even to imagine. I've never lived, I mean, as an American, we've never, I've never lived in that kind of a lifestyle. It's almost impossible for me. But I wonder if the first few Sabbaths were the weirdest feeling in the world. We all have this muscle memory, right? Uh, many of us, I see it, uh, I've, I've been noticing a lot in the doctor's office. Uh, and the dentist. I'm spending way too much time at the dentist at the moment. Um, but when I sit down in the dentist's office, the minute someone sits down, the first thing to do is grab a phone, right? That, that's just mu like it has, it's muscle memory. Or if you think about it, you know, the first thing you do, you get up, you brush your teeth. Well, imagine like God saying, no more brushing your teeth in the morning. You'd be like, wait, what? My teeth are going to be okay? They're not going to fall out? Yeah, it's okay. Just don't, don't worry about it. I'll take care of your teeth this day. And so there's something that happens because, and I think this was a real challenge for the Israelites because they have never known what it is to just have a day for rest. And so to understand the Sabbath, we understand that these people were slaves, that they were known for production, they were known by what they did, and that their value was in what they produced, and that was all. And then when we look at the Deuteronomy passage, we see how redemption comes into the practice of Sabbath. It's in the rest that the people of God are renewed and recreated as they remember the saving act of God in creation. It's a time to remember his work, what he has done. It's a time and space where they remember the salvation story about what God did and how he, how he rescued Israel from the nation of Egypt and he gives them a new law. My friends, this practice rewires or has the potential of rewiring an entire nation it gives them a deep identity. It shifts their identity. It becomes like a marriage covenant. And, and that's what I love. When we read the Old Testament, we see this beautiful imagery all the time of this idea of covenant. Um, and we talk about marriage covenant as Christians. You know, it's so, a covenant is like a deep-seated promise that, look, 
you, you follow these things, I will bless you in this way. We talked about that months ago when we looked at other passages, but specifically the Abrahamic covenant. And here's, here's the problem. We live in a culture where covenants, we talk about covenants as contracts, and contracts are broken or kept. Where in God's mind and heart, covenants are either violated or they're kept. And so God has this heart for his people. He wants to pour out his love, but he asks something in return. This is what it looks like. And this is what Sabbath is for his people. And so this flies in the face of our cultural norms. Sabbath has a way of helping one let go of control. Anybody struggle with control? No. Okay. Just me. It gets into our brain and it, it does something that has the ability and potential to rewire how we look at everything in life. And it's amazing to think that God asked his people to sit back and do nothing. And he provided that day. This is not that far off from us as people who have grown up in the U.S. because only 50 years ago, 60 years ago, there were blue laws where a lot of towns were closed on Sundays. Uh, In other cultures, they have days where like things are just closed. There's nothing open. But for us, that has become less and less and less and less. I've sat with many of you uh, and heard about how busy life is, uh, especially after the pandemic. It felt like we all took a really deep breath for a few years. And then as soon as the traffic lights kicked back in, it was we started to run at 100 miles an hour again. Can I get an amen? But all of us do it. And And this is not picking on anybody. We clutter our lives with so much activity that we have forgotten how to rest. And we are quickly known by what we do or produce than rather than who we are. And so the question that is asked mostly when I meet someone is that it is, when it comes to thinking about Sabbath, is it is really a question around identity. Think about the last time you had a conversation with, oh, you know, hi, I'm Doug. Hi, I'm so-and-so. What do you do? Like, that's the identifying question that we ask one another. Oh, I do this and I do that. Great. It's so interesting, like our identity is so wrapped up into what we produce, into how we function. And that can be a a dangerous thing, right? That's something we get to do, which is great, but it can really quickly take over our identity and be extremely deforming to us. And so how, how did we get here? I think there's so many different ways. We live in a culture that just says you have to produce, you have to do a lot of things in order to get ahead, to be successful. Um, The more we do, it will produce more joy and it'll produce more money and that'll make us happier. And, and we just, and, and, and we just add all these things. To and as a culture, we are addicted to production and success and busyness. We've been wired to think this way. We've been wired to consume. And we've bought into a lie that if I'm busy, that must mean that I'm important. And what I appreciate is we serve a God who said yes to turning water into wine, but no to turning bread or a stone into bread. That Jesus was okay disappointing people and saying no. That he was all right just letting things go. He was okay leaving after a great miracle and just spending time by himself with the Father and with his disciples. As I entered into my sabbatical, which was the most beautiful gift that I've ever had from from you all, other than every single week when I get to see your awesome faces and have amazing conversations with you. Sabbath became this really important word for me. 
And what there were two words that I had attached to it. One of them was the word recreation, which if you just smush it together is recreation. And so for me and my family, this idea of recreation and recreation became this really unique give and take, this really unique way of beginning to see God at work in his recreation of my soul in a day that was just set for him, in a day that was just set for nothing productive happening, where I I give Google a day off. Google needs a day off. I gave my phone a day off. We gave other things uh, days off just so we could focus our time and attention on being together and on just allowing God to do a recreative work in our soul. And for me, a lot of that was around recreation. I love being outside. Like that picture of the guy laying in a bale of hay, that, I mean, that, that's my childhood. That's, that's what I long to be back at. I just love that. Um, and so what is Sabbath? So how, how do we really define it? So we're going to talk a little bit more big picture. I want to talk really specifically. So Sabbath is this. It's a full 24 hours that for our Jewish brothers and sisters and for Jesus and his followers, began at sundown with sleep and went to sundown the following day. So practically speaking, it's a 24-hour time to stop, to rest, to delight, and to worship. It's something that puts, it's also something that puts our work into perspective. And so work is not bad. Work is good. In fact, when God created the heavens and the earth and he put man in the garden, there was a joy about their work. And it's good when you love what you do. There's something amazing. It's good when you find delight and joy in the things that you have before you, but we don't worship our work. And it can easily become idolatry for for humans. And how do we know? Well, when we notice how we get angry when our work is interrupted, anyone work from home and have a kid that has interrupted your work, do you get mad? (laughs) Or are you just like, ah, it's cool. Everything's fine. No, it's it's frustrating. When we find ourselves thinking about it all the time, when we, when we can put anything away to make sure our work is done, that's when we recognize that there may be an unhealthy relationship. And Sabbath is the gift, and it's the, it's the counterformational practice that can help us to put these things in the right place. Our work and our rest can be put right. And so to the biblical mind, the Sabbath is literally a day for the sake of life. It's not a day for the sake of the weekdays. The weekdays are for the sake of Sabbath. It's not an interlude, but the climax of living. This is something that Mayor and I discovered uh, years ago when we started practicing Sabbath. Uh, we, we were fortunate where we were both off on Fridays and our kids were off to school. So we had time and it was fantastic. And then when our kids were, were with us, it was, we had fun. I was asking Kylie on the way over, I said, what do you remember about Sabbath when you were young? And she said, we fished a lot and mom came <laughs> and we hiked and we were outside. We did things together. She said something about food. Like our, for our family, food is really important. But Sabbath became this, this envelope, this day where we just had such a gift of, of just being and not having a huge to-do list, not having all these things to do, but just to be present, silent, and laughter, and fun, and good meals with others. But it just became this day that was a gift. And I worked at a church for many years that really struggled with letting people off until I had a chance to work underneath the pastor that would kick me out of my office. I'd like, dude, you've been here for way too long. You need to go home, be with your family. You need to go home and spend time away from this place. And he gave me, a, he gave me permission to begin to practice Sabbath. And it was such a gift to me. And it was such a gift to my family. And it began to rewire all of us because what, what we started to notice is 
on Tuesday, I was counting down. Sabbath is coming on Wednesday. I'm like, it's almost here on Thursday. I was like, it's tomorrow. There was this Christmas, mini Christmas morning celebration in my soul that I knew that I had a day of rest coming. And so I wanted to read this quote by Wayne Mueller because I think it's really important for us in the midst of this conversation this morning. One of the astonishing attributes of Sabbath time is its unflinching usefulness. Nothing will get done. Not a single item will be checked off of any list. Nothing of significance will be accomplished. No goal realized. It's, it is thoroughly without measurable value. Many of us are reluctant to slow our pace because we feel a driving need to be useful. I think one of the greatest gifts of Sabbath is it allows us to pay attention. Uh, sometimes our bodies are screaming for attention. We get tired. We get exhausted, and then we sleep for days. Sometimes we get a chance to say yes to Sabbath, and sometimes Sabbath forces us to stop. It catches up with us, and we have to slow down. I was talking to a a friend yesterday who this past year, he had to go to the ER because he he had this thing called hurry sickness. I've never heard of that. I, I, I didn't Google. I don't have Google on my phone anymore. I gave him a break too. But He said it basically comes across like a heart attack. He said, I thought I was having a heart attack. I I drove myself to the ER. You know, I was there. My chest pains, my blood pressure was 170 over 115, which is really high. It's like, I didn't know what was going on. And everything came down and the doctor said, you've heard sickness. And he said, there's just this constant anxiety. He said, it forced me to begin to Sabbath. It forced me to begin to allow Jesus to say, hey, you can rest and let me take over. Let me fix, let me do the work. And so it is the day when we actually begin to recognize that we get a chance to be who we be, not what we do. And that's a gift. And that is a gift from God. And that's why I've, I've heard so many stories about people that have entered into retirement who have spent their entire lives doing something and being known by what they do. And the minute that that is taken from their identity, they die because there's an enmeshment there that can be really unhealthy. And so Sabbath, again, it brings us to the space of actually resting from the things that we do and being reminded that I'm a child of God, not because of the things that I do, but just because he loves me, cares deeply for me. And so God calls us just to be on one day a week. Just to, just to hang out and spend time with him, to be fully present in something that's other than work. It's, a, it's, it's fascinating to me to think that Jesus waited 30 years to start his ministry. And he spent a huge chunk of his ministry on retreats praying. He spent a huge chunk of his ministry healing and then retreating, teaching and then going away fighting with the Pharisees, hanging out with Jesus, hanging out with his father, the spirit. There was just this constant action and rest, action and rest. It's amazing to me to think that Jesus was not, he, he did not get rattled by saying no. He was totally fine disappointing people. And even beyond all that, like I almost picture the, the, the passion week as the, as the creation story told again, but in a completely different way. 
You know, God creates all these things and on the seventh day that he, he rests. And so what we see is we see Jesus marching to the cross and when the, the most incredible work is done where our lives are set free because of Jesus's death and burial, it's like this, this pause. We come to the weirdest day of the entire church county year, which is Holy Saturday, where none of us know what to do. The disciples had no, no idea what to do, this deep depression, this darkness, but God himself rested on Holy Saturday. And I don't think resurrection is as powerful if he doesn't rest. So he completed his work on the cross. He took a day off to be with his father. And then on Easter Sunday, he rose again from dead. My friends, that's the God that we serve. We serve a God that after the most horrific crucifixion for our sins, slept in a tomb for a day just to allow the anticipation to grow. And then he raises victorious. Jesus himself is okay with resting. And I think that's why he calls us to be a people that practice rest. So I, I want to uh, just talk brutally, brutal, practical, uh, practically some nuts and bolts here. Um, so these are just some real quick thoughts. Uh, first thing is this, go to the next slide. Um, you can't just drift into a Sabbath. You really need to prepare. And so what that is is simple. Uh, it, in some ways, and it, it can be a challenge to others, but it's this, you need to intentionally think about how you can approach a 24-hour day of rest. And so the first thing you need to do, look at your schedules, carve out a 24-hour time to rest. The question to ask, there are two questions, is what gives you life and what sucks your life? The things that suck your life, don't do those things. The things that give you life, do those things. So even just as you think about as a community, how do we begin to enter into Sabbath? What gives you life? What gives your family life? Uh, if you're a single person, you may need Sabbath to be a space where I have dinner with, with someone in the community and I enter into their family because it's needed. And for other people in our community who have families, you need to be thinking, who are the single people? Who are the widowed people in my community that I just need to invite over on our Sabbath to just have fun together, to play a game together, to do something but there's something really important about recognizing that Sabbath has this beautiful element of resetting our lives and resetting things. Um, for our kids, we had a time where they did not have to make their beds, uh, and that has now carried over into every day of the week, uh, which, is, which is good, I guess. Um, but it was a day where we would watch movies. And so my kids love watching. We would usually get pizza or do something that was just fun or different, or mac and cheese. That's always a, a hit. Um, there were a lot of times where uh, for us right now, Saturday morning is kind of like our family Sabbath and we make a big breakfast and our family can house a big breakfast and it's so much fun. And we don't get to that every single week, but we just love the fact that that's part of who we are. But the idea is, can we make the day special? If you have kids, help your kids design that. I remember hearing a story from the Bleckies about how they would go roll down a hill on a set, like kids... Kids love rolling down hills. If I did that, I'd probably throw up in the bushes and like break something. It'd be terrible. But kids love that. There's something about that. For us, we fished, we hiked, we did things that were just different, that felt like a totally different way. And we noticed, I think Sabbath helps you begin to pay attention to the joy that Jesus has for our life in the rest and in the space of rest. Uh, another real practical thing, uh, write a to-do list things to do on Sabbath, and then also another list of things to don't. So we need a to-do list and a to-don't list. So the to-do list might be take a nap. Um, it might be watch a good movie. Uh, it may be call a friend. It, it might be some of those pieces that are a little bit bigger. And then we have to have a to-don't list. 
So my, t- my favorite thing to do on Sabbath, you guys are gonna think this is wacky. I love mowing the yard. It's, it is, it is the, the culmination of my Sabbath experience of getting out the lawnmower, putting gasoline in it, and just making beautiful lines in my, it's really not grass, more weeds, but in my weeds, just having these beautiful lines. And I love it. that. And I love to fish on Sabbath. Like those are the things that I just, they bring me life. I, I feel so deeply connected to, to Jesus in those moments. Um, just wanted to show something really quick. Uh, so this is what a Sabbath might look like for some of us. With our schedules, we might be able to just block off 24 hours. Next slide. Some of us, it might have to look like this, where we enter into it on like a Friday night or a Tuesday night or a Monday night, and then we have to the rest. You know, like if, if, if I'm someone that works a night shift, uh, it's going to be really hard to do it that way. Uh, and next slide. Or you might be, have to do something like this, where you're still getting those, that morning, that evening, and that, and that sorry, I should have had that in like a daytime or something. I apologize for that. But having those three blocks of your schedule throughout the week that just have this is time that everything else gets rested and I get a chance to just be connected with God. And so some of you are thinking like, what about kids? Um, have you ever been around them? They're, they're energetic and rambunctious. And my vision of Sabbath is more like the guy and the gal laying down in the thing, you know, on the, on the hay bale. And my kids are not like that at all. And, and I'll tell you this, it's all seasonal. I mean, my kids sleep in now. When they were little, they did not. And so we had to have the creativity and just the permission with Jesus to say yes to certain things and to realize that some things are just not going to work. And that's okay. But I think part of it is to realize that in, in the seasons is where we really begin to see Jesus show up and recreate us in these really beautiful, cool ways. Um, and if you have ideas, I totally encourage you to share more with me and with others in terms of how you may Sabbath. But again, this is one of those things that we believe when we can practice this, it, it connects us deeply with the heart of God. And here's why. Um, Sabbath has a way of leveling the field because it is also a work of justice too. When you look at the, when you look at the practices, so go to that next slide. Or when, when we look at the Sabbath picture of in, I think I have the Exodus slide after that or the, yeah, the Deuteronomy slide. If you look at this, What's so amazing about this is this levels the playing field for everybody in the land. Your slaves don't work. Your livestock doesn't work. The aliens that live among you, the foreigners, do not work. Nobody works. Everybody rests just by being part of this particular kingdom. And so what I appreciate is next week, we have a chance to participate with God in some of his righteousness in the world in which we are living, which is Montgomery County, Bucks County, Berks County, these areas. And so we're doing that in three really unique ways. We're going to be picking up trash at Spring Mountain. <laughs> we're going to be sorting clothes um, at a beautiful place in Norristown that's helping to clothe young people and old people that don't have access to stuff. And we're going to be in here making products for women that need, that, that need products for feminine care. And what I appreciate about that is like, it is a Sabbath thing that we're doing, but it's also almost entering into this thing of like resting in and caring for the creation and caring for others and caring for people that aren't us. And what I love about the heart of Renew is you all have done that so well and so faithfully for so many years. 
But I want us to see that when, when we become a people that practice Sabbath, we don't just look at, we don't become consumers anymore, but it begins to rewire us to become caretakers. And I've, I've had this really interesting conversation with people who, who look at Christians in the church as folks that, that, are, that don't care for creation. And, and I've talked to Christians that don't care for creation in that way. And, and some of you are like, oh boy, he's going in this really weird ta- tangent right now. But I, I want to say this, like God calls us to be stewards. And when we look at the original intention of creation, man and woman was put there to care for the garden, care for creation. Sin really screwed up that whole picture. But even when we look at Sabbath, we see this call back to the garden, this call back to resting in the hands of Jesus, to, to being present in God's rest. And in that, I, I think to myself this, you know, many of us own homes and we will care for our homes until the day we die. And that's great. And we should, but why wouldn't we care for what God has put on the earth as well? Why wouldn't we take time to actually begin to just see what's around us and to recognize that that is an on-ramp and, and, and an inroad to the gospel for a generation that cares deeply about the world. And the church needs to be present in that conversation. The church needs to be present in conversations with people who are poor. The church needs to be present in the conversations around racism. The church needs to be present in all of these different spaces that we see. Best farming practices, all of this stuff. And that's why God is so beautiful because he doesn't just bless this people and say, all right, you're good. He blesses you to bless the world. And the world that we live in is really big. Let me pray. Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for Sabbath. Um, Jesus, we know that without you, Sabbath is, is, is kind of just a, a cool way to talk about things. So Lord, I ask that you would deeply embed in us this picture that we are loved, not because of what we do, but because of who we are. I pray that you would encourage us as a people, as family units, as a church family, to think about how we can engage in a day of rest together, that you would give us beautiful insight into your heart for us. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the podcast of the Renew Community. This in no way should replace the formation within a community of Jesus followers. If you are looking for a church, would like more information about Renew, or would like to give financially to this ministry, check out our website at renewcommunity.org.